Consensus on Reality, a podcast, a news program, a network, everything all bundled in one. Moguls, two moguls. Yeah, right. Media moguls. Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll kind of do a sort of a general purpose episode, which will be kind of different. We'll talk about a few different things. God damn it, Ben. What are you talking about? We've got historic news on the horizon. Uh, Well, yeah, but what? Well, you mean the UAP uh, or the monkeypox? Yeah, I have here in front of me the complete transcript of Congress's historic hearing on unidentified aerial phenomena. UAP. Oh, God. It was... It was so... So dumb. But... Everybody's down on UFOs now. Everybody's coming out of the woodwork to get, you know... To get their 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 hits in, their birthday punches in on UFOs. Well, I think that that's because that was kind of part of the point. Maybe is to, and they even go so far as to like have one dude talk about how disinformation it should be like punishable by like <laughs> like yeah. like I'm I'm gonna get in trouble for like saying that like <laughs> I saw grays now. It's like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who His, was that, uh, I, dude? I don't. I forget which. Yeah. Uh, the only I only re- remember one representative's name, um, who I'll bring up later. Um, Sir Galahad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but th- that yeah. other representative, I, it was a bunch of like. How I think did, it was DeWood or something, right? Or DeHood. Yeah, it was DeWalt. It was a fucking DeWalt screwdriver. Um, how do these guys get assigned? Like, what? How do they pick what congressmen are there? Are they just the ones that are like? looking to get their moment in the sunshine like yeah I don't or know. do they decide to be there or do they get assigned it are they oh, like i guess we, the... maybe we should backtrack and say we're talking about a bit of the uh recent uh congressional hearing on the unidentified aerial phenomenon which is like a thesaurus version of ufos <laughs> like, right. yeah, yeah it's yeah. so annoying <laughs> yeah uh yeah yeah if you're like a casual spectator of of things strange and or you're not on twitter um there's been a lot of ufo related news or not news however you depend to react to it uh but i think there's some some pretty significant stuff in here to unpack um yeah and there's definitely some some motives behind what's going on um and it might even tie back into the works of kenneth grant in one way, huh? It always does. Um, it seems to always do. Yeah. Well, that's that's the brilliance of his writing style is that like he crammed so many fucking uh, indicators in those books that yeah, literally anything could relate. But um, yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I mean, like it's 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 crazy because people. I feel like you know, five to ten years ago, we're all gung ho about disclosure and and this is something we talked about in the last episode too yeah um the idea that our government you know might be pushed by public interest to you know um release uh information that they've withheld from us for for um government secrecy in terms of like defense or counterintelligence purposes or whatever if if you know you you want to go to conspiracy angle and think that they're hiding like a um, tech from us for whatever reason, for exclusivity. Um, if there's a, a, right. a breakaway civilization, I don't know. You could go in all sorts of directions. Obviously it's like a Rorschach, but it's, yeah, it seems to me that, I mean, they even go into saying like, there's no one explanation for this uh, phenomenon. It's like, I mean, oh, God, the presentation itself by, like, the two people on this task force, uh, Bray and what was the other guy, like, Moultrie or something? Yeah, the other guy was, like, a high-ranking... DOD. Yeah. He was from Naval Intelligence, I think, oh, uh, like yeah, a representative right. from Naval Intelligence on this task force to study unidentified aerial phenomena. Um, there was an intentional, like... Uh, front of ambiguity to the way that they spoke about it um yeah yeah what did he yeah a studied agnosticism is what stephen greer says in the cosmic hoax and i'm sure in every other (laughs) 
documentary that he's made. Um, that we were talking right. about the cosmic hoax on our last episode. If you haven't listened to that, it relates entirely to what we're talking about again tonight. Doubling right. down. It's kind of funny how that worked out. Yeah. I mean, because I don't think we really knew that there was going to be hearings. I mean, maybe we, I don't remember if I had known, because I knew that, like, for at least a week, they were kind of hyping them up, like these congressional hearings. But I, I don't think, I don't think we knew about it when we decided to look at like that, the status quo of ufology. So it's kind of funny that this all kind of like flops out of its pouch like right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's uh, a great analogy. It just fucking yeah. It, it, yeah, it breaks out of its bag, plastic bag or whatever. Um, yeah, but it, no, I, it's it's interesting because fucking. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like people have been waiting for this, like some of the rhetoric like this to come out, um, especially like the way that they're speaking about the stigma behind discussing these topics and stuff. And again, like, I don't know, people will say that we're like a UFO podcast or something. I don't think that's true at all. I think we talk more about, you know, the symbol, the symbols behind like people's experiences of, of events, whether they be a cult or ufological I don't yeah. think we 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 haven't spent much time talking about like unidentified craft except for like our Nazi UFO shit. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it a bunch, but lately, like, yeah. yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's not a UFO podcast, but it's it's fun to say that it is, I guess. Now, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, I, I, yeah. all the interests surrounding this topic, people have been waiting for, you know our government to kind of like alleviate the stigma behind discussing it. Cause the, the ridicule and stigma is something that they sort of created themselves and, and fueled um, for it's a lot funny, of people. Yeah. yeah. They were like referencing that in the hearings too. They were like, we're trying to lift the stigma of talking about this, but it's all like, it's interesting cause they're only really using military uh, sightings. And I guess that's always been kind of a thing. Like, military and pilots and like that's always been like uh for, like, like sign that there's a legitimacy to any one sighting but i don't really think i don't really buy that i, mean, I think that like military people are just as i guess they have like a certain kind of training to identify like you know anomalies and stuff like that and i guess it's a good like not control set like but a if you're going to choose a like type of person who's already kind of rigorously uh, duty bound for things. I guess that that might be a good place to start, but I don't think that there's like any kind of legitimacy to their sightings that like the average Joe does, doesn't have. Yeah. I would say, I think a lot of that, the legitimacy comes from the technology itself, specifically like the radar technology. And I think it's true. What we're going to get into is talking about, the language that's being used to disclose certain things, especially within this hearing. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, developments in radar technology. Um, but yeah, I mean, if something, if an object gets, you know, caught in the tracker of, um, of a, a, a pilot's tracker, like, I think that's a clear indicator that it is like a physical object, you know, like, I, I don't think that like, right. Or, a like some sort of radiation, like, or like some sort of like strange geomagnetic, like anomaly. Like, I think that there are ways that those uh, radar systems can be like, and they even kind of admit that there can be like radar anomalies. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think a lot of the time that has to do with like the on flight camera systems and not the actual like radar tracking. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that stuff is kind of, it's it's more the boring clinical end of, of this strange subject. And I think we enjoy a lot to talk about the more folkloric aspects and, and people's strange personal encounters and how right. no, normal people um, interpret these very strange uh, disembodied events. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of interesting stuff that came out of this, I think think um and i don't know well like just on that note of like i, I feel like yeah something about the way that it's this whole thing has come about like kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit like how well i think it should yeah like how 
anemic and like uh just like it's like a dull dry fart it's like kind of how this whole thing is coming across but i think that's the i, I yeah so yes right. yes i agree with that but i think there's a reason for that um, oh yeah there of course there is i mean it's a I think I mean when we were watching this, I was I was texting you and saying that it's just like it feels like theater, and like it, the whole hearing has this sort of. Uh, it's not that it feels scripted, but it feels very much like people perf- and it is literally people performing like ritual ritual roles, and like uh, it feels like even like uh, often like there'll be especially by this one character, this guy, this uh, Gallagher, I think guy. Uh, who was sort of the only person to bring up any of the like more interesting aspects of it besides like the defense thing. But, and they would often be like, we'll talk about that like in the closed session. <laughs> like, so the, there was like often anything that strayed from like a very narrow definition. Of, yeah. What the hell was that? Sorry. Um. Yeah. No, I think so. Okay. The tick, if we look at the Tic Tac video, the Tic Tac refers to a, a UFO that was um, gotten like naval pilots and an, on an entire naval destroyer um, was tracking this unidentified flying object that was like pill shaped or tic tac shaped. That's why it's called the tic tac. Um, tic tac must be doing so well after this. Yeah, they're. I don't know. Is tic tac never not doing well? <laughs> yeah. Like they seem like they're pretty. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean this this object was of course like making insane turns and like being able to stop on a dime and kind of just like messing with these pilots and and traveling um, at insane speeds without any visible sign of propulsion, um, and people basically basically believe that this is coming out of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works who gets billions of dollars a year from the United States government to develop this type of technology. As a matter of fact, um, one of the grants a few years ago, the intent was to create a hypersonic um, propulsion without a sonic boom. So that's kind of like what this is in reference to. And I think this whole conversation actually is a little bit of a disclosure about the future or the present, I guess the present rather of, um, aerial and, uh, uh, atmospheric weaponry, um, in terms, in terms yeah. of like, um, hypersonic drone swarms. We just heard that Russia had a hypersonic weapon released into Ukraine. Um, so right. I, th- I think a lot of this is about disclosing what we have. I think the Tic Tac in a way, is, is possibly an indicator to other governments being like, well, this is ours. You know this. Um, we're not going to tell right. the people this, uh, but this is what we... I think like that's sincerely... Like what, kind of Cold War posturing type stuff. Yeah, like, I, I think Russia sees this yeah. and they're like, shit, that's not ours. That's theirs. Um, you know, or... Yeah. Um, I also think the disclosure of like ground to uh, satellite radar mesh is something that they were talking about developing. I think that's probably mm-hmm. something they already have. Um, so it's so dry. <laughs> I mean, even though it's like really interesting technology. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Martians, but it's fucking crazy war shit. <laughs> like it's, it, it's not, it's not really dry. Like if you read about, if, you, you know if, what I mean though? Like the way it's, uh, it's not what you want, but if you read about like it's not hyper, sw- <laughs> hypersonic, uh, drone swarms, it's, pretty insane it uh, is yeah these things I, I just are, yeah these things are reaching like if you read about the speeds that they're reaching like i don't oh, okay so there's a great video on youtube it's called did lockheed martin build the tic tac ufo it's by a user um i want to shout this guy out here where's his brian hanley h-a-n-l-e-y it's a really good video. It talks about the specifics of these developments and these type of craft. Um, gets more into like the speeds that they're reaching and how the propulsion works, the contracts, um, basically how all this stuff is acknowledged um, in a very like public paper trail. Yet yeah. in this hearing, um, it's it's like 
it's it's like asked about and it's totally glazed over just because uh, these two guys who are representing this task force are essentially using the excuse that um, this information wasn't given to them for the intention of this task force. So they're basically saying, we're aware of this, but um, we may have just heard about it. It's not like it hasn't been uh, supplied for our use in this task force. Right. That, that's what I mean. It's kind of like they have, a, I mean, I guess that's sort of like how military intelligence works. There's like bounds within which they can discuss and understand things. It's about like the compartmentalization of all this stuff. So, and it, you're just like, it's kind of just like watching how that unfolds in a setting where like not everybody is, um, at least it doesn't seem that like the sort of the, the questioners who are congressmen and like civil, not civilians, but just other figures. Um, they're like coming up against this blank wall of like, well, that doesn't fall within the purview of this. And like nothing, like the only thing that falls within the purview of the, ta of the task force is apparently like, like bad videos of yeah, right, nothing right. happening. Like, yeah. and like, you know, radar anomalies and that's fine. But that's like, I guess, I'm sort of figure out what the, I mean, obviously the purpose. The purpose is to funnel funding. That's the purpose. Right. It's, but also it's like, to, it's to yeah, get, information. It's to get more like public avenues of funding and so that there can be like less back channeling. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, why like, don't they just, they could I, just sell more drugs and I, then use that as their funding. I don't know. It's just another avenue, you know, and like I, right, I think yeah, it's like yeah. it's political messaging. Uh, there's an element of like like twilight language in there or something for sure. I mean, I guess get so, questionable yeah. term, I, but I mean like yeah. There's like a I think there's like a a signaling within like right. what's being said. Um, a lot of it's all it's all war games though. I think for the most part. Yeah. I mean, at least the way that it's being conversed about. If you look at like every news programs covering of this stuff it's all about defense it's all about like right um penetration into our airspace um it's about national security uh and all that stuff is is really interesting but i mean like i know it sounds super dry and like it takes the air out of the more like ethereal aspects of the conversation but if you think if you can allow yourself to believe that these like hypersonic drone swarms exist and are already being utilized in the way that the Tic Tac was by humans, then it's very easy to leap back into the crazy fucking secret space program shit. You know? Oh, sure. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, it doesn't it have implications that kind of can validate some of the more psycho shit from, like, Gaia Network and stuff if you wanted to go there? Yeah. I mean, totally. Um, it's It's not so much about, like, yeah, where those implications might end up, then like sort of just the, it's kind of like a the medium is the message kind of thing, and the message here being if Fuck the medium you. is this is this like congressional hearing, it's like the how they're going to like turn this into a, it's basically like an admission that there's never going to be any kind of answer, and that like I don't think it's ever going to progress past this sort of political theater that they're I don't you know, know every once in a while they'll release a little bit about like I don't know man some new like yeah well you know I think this is signaling it's that so weird though like the phenomenon itself is so strange and that they're not even like really willing to like engage with like the whole uh nu nuclear you know like inter interception thing like that was pretty crazy to bring up in like a congressional setting like that guy did uh, i agree so, yeah so well yeah i think we'll, we'll yeah we, let's get to that in a minute but i mean if you think about like the uh sr-71 and um what's talked about as what the tr-3b which is like the lockheed black triangle that's yeah, been yeah. cited and mentioned and has ties back to like uh plans um, aero aeronautical plans from like uh, Nazi Germany and stuff. I, we talked about that in our Nazi UFO episode, um, and our, I guess it was our. Well, yeah, no, that was that was our Antarctica episode, which was 
the land beyond. We were talking about Nazi UFOs, Antarctica, and Hollow, hollow Earth. Earth. Yeah. The hollow Earth stuff has... Two-parter. Get into it. Just lately that the, the Hollow Earth stuff has like sort of come around again and is kind of like in the popular consciousness again. Um, there is this news article that kind of has been like memefied and passed around about like a sinkhole opening up in China and there being like this like deep ancient forest inside of it, like 600 feet down. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. Is it real or? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> Who even knows anymore? We're living in this, you know, Baudrillard land or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's real. Um, right. But I, I don't know. The, the UFO hearings, I guess, are kind of a symptom of that same, same thing. And the reaction to them was so interesting because it was like this. Uh, part it, it's like a subcultural moment or something. It was like, it, the like so if you're on Twitter and you sort of follow these sorts of groups of people who are interested in this, in this thing, you see like hashtags UFO Twitter like that sort of thing. And so there was like this frenzy as it was happening and then like this like it kind of just subsided and it reminded me a lot of like election coverage type thing like it, it reminded me of like this kind of excitement people would have like on like bernie sanders winning the nevada caucus or something it had this like sort of flash and then dissipate uh thing whereas like what usually happens in the ufo field is like this thing happens and then it instigates itself into the language of the culture and then propagates itself in this like tendril where it like kind of like lives throughout the, it like it uh, reifies like the folklore somehow. Whereas with this, it feels like, uh, I don't, it just feels like it, it kind of died after it happened. I mean, we're talking about it, but. Well, I think that's because a lot of the things that you're referring to, um, I imagine are like archetypal and they occur, um, they occur open for interpretation where what this hearing is doing is like very, very jargony, very, not jargony, like very boilerplate and, and right. like very clerically um, discussing it. So it's kind of like it's saying something and I think you ha- you kind of have to like, get in there and really pick apart like some of the 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 totems that are, are popping out of what they're saying and and kind of like sure as opposed to like you know I, I get you know obviously something like roswell or some shit with the newspaper and then they retract it and it goes dead the story goes dead and it's just completely sci-fi at that point it's completely open for like the public's interpretation right. and it gets snowballed and spun into this myth um where there's no myth here there there's no but there's no opportunity to i mean i guess maybe there could be but right i guess what i mean is like it feels like you're what you're like you're looking at like a mask or something like it looks like a i don't know you get this i was also well, <laughs> yeah i i'm in a different state of mind when i was watching this so but, <laughs> that's uh, sort it, of a yeah I, yeah I think like a big part too is it, they're probably trying to like, like Marvel, Marvel like phase phases of movies, you know, where they're like, this is Marvel yes. Phase Four, this is like, uh, UFO disinformation Phase Four or whatever, where they're because right. a lot, like again, you and I have been looking at this topic and the folklore of this topic, um, books about this shit and whatever internet, um, meme folklore for fifteen years, so we have all this like or more, you know, whatever. Um, but we have all this like context to add to it and, and be able to pick apart things and get like indicators from it. But if somebody's like just generally interested in this topic, this like conversation, the way that they're manning the conversation right now is defining it for them, you know? Like, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so fucked up. Right. And this is about alien. This is about like the potential of something unknown being a danger to us and our airspace. So that's why we're looking into it. Uh, that's right. what they're saying. It. That's how they're framing it. So it's again, it's like changing the conversation. And that's it's, what they've always said, though. Yeah, like, but it's like dismissing a bunch of shit. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really liked when they said, I mean, somebody 
basically point blank ask like do you think that there are intelligent beings like aboard these and they said no we think that they're unmanned if like they kind of like and i thought that was a really strange moment because if they're unmanned they're either drones uh or they're some sort of entity unto themselves and so I, <laughs> there were like all these like strange little moments in there where like you know strange science fictional like mystical like paths open up um but then they kind of like revert back to uh whatever their sort of like bottom line is which seems to be that i don't know that they're not going to really tell anybody anything but they're for some reason doing this to satisfy some military or defense need that there's for some reason they're letting slip some of like this information. Yeah. And I mean, there's like, I know in the Greer documentary, he mentions letters with Ben Rich, who is like the head of skunk works at Lockheed. And, um, in letters, he's said that the crafts are both man-made and extraterrestrial. I don't, can't confirm this is a real letter, but they show the letter. I mean, it's clearly there. Um, that's, that's, that like tracks for like the whole way we understand, like the popular, you know, UFO understanding, like the ufological understanding of it is that like some of them are uh, back engineered or whatever from the tech. Like, it's kind of like, like this whole, like you were saying, it has its own sort of like cinematic universe, like the expanded UFO narrative has sort of like a, it, it feels like a, yeah, like a, fantasy world unto itself yeah i mean and they're not they're not really interacting with that fantasy world is maybe one of the things that feels so uh performative and jarring about this is that it's like it's so blank yeah yeah i mean i would say that like i'm not trying to give these guys leniency or credit but we also can't like say that this is this is the United States government. Like, this is just a task force. Like, these guys could, they could be knowing, they could be, you know, and performing, like, counterintelligence type um, conversing just to, you yeah. know, kind of populate disinformation. Or they could just be, like, uh, in the dark, you know? And, like, these guys could be, like, goofballs that they put in charge of this shit, you know? Or they could be the greatest counterintelligence counterintelligence agents ever or both of it. I mean, I think that Luis Elizondo, who's been the mouthpiece of the UAP UFO thing on like news outlets and stuff. um, And he worked with Tom DeLonge for the uh, Academy to the Stars stuff. I think he's pretty clearly um, counterintelligence. I don't, he like, yeah, he is. I was listening to an interview with him kind of, trying to research his whole like new wave thing. And, um, man, he can really like, just talk you to sleep. Like he gets into a lot of like, it's, you know, just like mentioning the word equations, but not like talking about the equations and like, like talking about the exotic kinds of like field, um, magnetic field propulsion and stuff, but not (laughs) getting into like scientific specifics. It's more lofty. And then like, you know, he'll be on a podcast and four dudes worshiping and will just be like, time is like the flame on the end of a matchstick. Uh, it's burning. And then, but everything is in the present is the head of the matchstick. And it's like, dude, like you guys sound like you just watched the fucking matrix for the first time. Like, well, I should start talking like that on here. Yeah. Um, I swear to God, it's like, that's basically the, the kind of like rhetoric they're using and stuff where it's like, I don't know. Right. He was kind of, uh, I feel like maybe he's being phased out. He might've like messed it up too bad. And he's kind of like, or he's, or he's done his job. Yeah. I think he, he burned his match. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's like, if you look up like flux, the high voltage flux liner is something that is supposedly been developed like a long ass time ago by Lockheed Martin. And it's like, uh, flying saucer disc. Um, I was just watching clips from Forbidden Planet from 1956. Um, yeah. And it's interesting, like, 
to think about the saucer and like I don't know is it is it some weird hyperstition of like fiction uh did they ever develop like a saucer you know like is it real or was was there always it seems like a lot more sightings kind of are legitimate sightings let's say than like like the saucer is more related to hoaxy sightings historically I think and a lot of the more legitimate sightings are kind of like the black triangle thing or the the weird like Kenneth Arnold wing thing that um makes yeah. sense in terms of like human uh exotic technologies um I don't know interesting stuff uh it's weird weird stuff going on weird conversations but it doesn't happen what's important is that it doesn't happen in a microcosm you know like I, yeah. I mentioned on the last episode you know Reagan talking about uh, the Star Wars program and like the um, orbital uh, defense systems um, mm-hmm. and the rhetoric there, and then Trump introducing the Space Force um, and his. Well, yeah, I know. Like you say Space Force, and it like it cracks yeah. a smile with people. You know, I think there's like a Steve Corral show on Netflix, is, which yeah. is like a a joke about the space horse, but like, again, right. like this stuff is all related. I mean, I think they're, they're, oh, yeah. they're disclosing like, um, how they're shifting interests in terms of like defense and weaponry. What's already mm-hmm. actually out there, I think is what they're saying is to come, you know? A lot right. Of stuff like and it's always, I think that's always kind of, cause they're not gonna, I mean, it's, unless there's a very good reason to, I don't think that these kinds of institutions let their goals out into the world and say, we're going to do this unless they already have done it or are able to do it like now. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting because the, we have the, the UFO conversation is shifting in this like sort of strange way. And it has been for like five or six years now where it's, it's shifting over to this. I don't like, there's always been the appeal to authority within the UFO things. Like when are they going to like let the documents out or like when they leak like the fake MJ 12 documents, like that kind of thing. But it feels very much like it's totally in the hands of like, I don't know. Like people are just like, so um, I don't know if gullible is the word, but like just, it just feels like there's this Stockholm syndrome. (laughs) maybe just like this like willingness to like sort of like assume that like this thing that's been used for decades is like a malleable instrument for intelligence while also being like this strange sort of unreal mystical like phenomenon like that this thing is like going to be explained by like some generals or something like Mm -hmm. like by like these military people i just but you even see like people like jacques valet and a lot of the like pioneers and like the spookier weirder kind of interpretations of it moving i don't know <laughs> let's just call the the nuts and bolts interpretation of the right and then the other kind of the left of the ufo equation like you see a lot of people sort of drifting right into this like mm, but that makes left sound cool and i just watched a video of the minister of disinformation singing a song. Okay, well, then we can just as easily swap. Like, like, they, it's not about. It's not like the political thing. Not, I just mean like not looking, not looking very cool right now at all. Like, well, that's not even left. That's like centrist, hard centrist. Sure, but, but I, it's they're not looking cool. Fine, you know what I mean. Just like okay, on spooky, one end of the scale is. One end of the scale is the nuts and bolts, like the other end is the like totally UFOs are angels and demons. It's like mm-hmm. right. figuring out where, I don't know, the popular thing has shifted so much to like, we just have to like capture the, the wreckage of it, like. That's interesting. It's like a plane, you know? It's kind of funny, the, the rhetoric being used, especially in terms of defense, um, it still kind of like takes care of the interest of 
um, the Christian right, you know, those out there who are like, they're, yeah. they're demons. Um, uh, like it still kind of keeps them under its wing where it's like, we're, we're going to defend against this just in case they are demons. <laughs> you know, like, right. They're going to have like holy water guns. It's, I don't know. I'm so, well, I'm kind of exhausted. I think we're going to have to switch gears pretty soon. I guess we are in the next few episodes, but yeah. But okay, so yeah, they talk about ATIP, which is so the United States government had Project Blue Book, um, where they would basically send you know representatives out to collect information about UFO sightings or yeah. abductions and stuff. They ended that fifty years ago, and then about twenty five years later, or something, or I don't know, I forget how many years, thirty years. They they created, or a bunch of years later. When was ATIP? in the, uh, in oh, the 2000s yeah. yeah i guess i mean and then i feel like there's not like it's not super clear that that ever really existed but no they confirmed it they confirmed it last night in the hearing i guess yeah they confirmed that atip existed they nobody has ever confirmed that luis elizondo was on it yeah, yeah, yeah. which i find but, pretty okay. interesting and i'm just saying this because if if luis elizondo was actually on a tip um he's going on podcasts and saying that there's an impending contact with an alien race right now like he's 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 the guy who's been keeping like the whole conversation pretty clerical himself and now he's going on podcasts and kind of like spilling some weird beans out there um where he's saying that like there's an impending not invasion but like there's an impending like physical contact come like there's an alien race yeah. coming here now so if this guy like was actually involved in a tip and he's saying so, this yeah. shit that's he's certainly not on the same page as the people we saw in the hearing right who like aren't really even willing to admit that anything's happening <laughs> like yeah. like as far as they're concerned it could all be like explained by some you know unknown natural phenomena mm-hmm. like i could really still come to the conclusion that it's like swamp gas yeah they were yeah they were going back to the the swamp gas stuff a bit um which you know like <laughs> i just that's kind of why it feels so it, it really feels a little bit like i think blue blue book is a good touch touching point like because it's like another sort of different angle on the like attempt to both utilize for defense purposes and like not debunk, but like neutralize the like existential questions that this topic brings up. It's like uh, taming it sort of for the purposes of, you know, it's like turning it into like a police dog or something like, yeah, because they can use like the justification of, we don't know what these are. All they have to do is like start saying like, and they're messing with our like pilots or something, and it can become like a justification for any number of like new, you know, new technology, you know, new in quotes like technologies that they'll actually use to like intimidate China or whatever. It's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's like this uh, double, triple, like back and forth um like levels of you like utilize utilizable like psyop material mm-hmm. yeah right yeah right. all while all while like sort of bolstering the image of of the army and giving it that sort of master of puppets vibe that they want to have like military intelligence like which maybe they do have, but they certainly want people to think that they, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the dryness of, Oh, okay. Let's talk about that Gallagher guy real quick before we wrap up this part of the episode. But yeah, Congressman Mike Gallagher, a real young whippersnapper. Um, he was, he was, uh, he was on this panel. Um, and he was the guy who, was kind of going after them with some weird, like bringing up some, some of the weirder stuff of the phenomena. Um, you know, I think like, I don't want to give him too much credit. Cause I know that like people do that with the intention of like 
getting on TV, you know, so they're like to like bolster their political career. Like, you know, the Trump hearings and the Kavanaugh hearings were like classic for that, where all these like freaking uh, dinosaur politicians were like trying to come out of the woodwork just to like get a presidential run out of it or whatever. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this. Yeah. But he so he talks about the um, the Malmstrom base Air Force base incident in uh which is in Montana. And this is a really, yeah, this is a crazy story. And it's funny. Cause like me and Ben were kind of watching this together remotely. And, um, you know, I was asking him like where the folklore of UFOs disarming nukes came from. Cause it's something that kind of like, uh, tangentially gets mentioned in a ton of documentaries and books without like a lot of resource information at all. Um, yeah, it kind of just gets buttoned up. Like people will be like, we've seen these things at bases, uh, disarming nukes. And it's like, what, where, where, and when, but yeah, this isn't, this is an incident. Um, and I was watching a little short documentary interview with a guy who was at the base and he was in the bunker with, and his job was basically to arm or to, um, he would send off 10 nukes if we, if he got the call where they were like, we're in nuclear war. His job was to like, you know, hit the big red button and send them. Um, They were already armed. Um, So then he gets a call from upstairs and this this guy who's on watch, like above ground is freaking out because there's a glowing red UFO flying around and doing all these crazy aerial maneuvers. And then meanwhile, his like alarms are going off downstairs and all the 10 nukes are disarmed. They've been disarmed. Um, this is a crazy story. I didn't realize that it had that kind of like, um, I didn't realize it was backed up by the guy who was like from the air oh, force yeah. and was there, you know, I feel like he gets brought out on like some of the UFO documentaries once in a while. Like you'll see that in it, like, or an interview with him. And it is, it's like a really, it's straight. Like it's strange because if it's a terrestrial technology, it's like uh, pretty intimidating that they can like turn on or off these things like from a distance or, you know, like by like drone. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. These, it's aliens, you know, these are 800 kiloton nukes. Um, they like weapons yeah. attached to these rockets. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they basically, he says it's like an inexplicable situation, but it happened a week, the same thing happened a week earlier at the same base. The same exact thing with the same red glowing disc and the 10 nukes being disarmed and then they rearm them. Um, right. When, when you asked, like, what I thought maybe the origin of that was, I sort of, instead of like thinking about like a an actual event that inspired that sort of part of the canon, I thought like where the like that sentiment originally came from. And I feel like it it comes from um, the sort of space brother uh, contactee thing where like mm-hmm. every other contact in that, in that setting is a sort of warning against the newfound power of the nuclear, you know, the nuclear capable humanity and how it can wipe out, you know, the world and we have to like stop it's sort of like this anti-war sentiment uh-huh which is why they thought it was yeah. like communist propaganda and it's funny that the rather fascist sort of soup that the contactee thing boiled up out of that they'd be so anti-nuke mm-hmm. but i guess that's just another like enigma <laughs> well i don't think van tassel i don't think he had any i don't think he was fascist but, ties but they thought he you know. was he was under watch by the the feds, because they thought he was um, putting out communist propaganda. Right. I'm thinking more like uh, Adamski, Adamski and like the Hunt, uh, George Hunt Williamson, like uh-huh. sort of that that cadre. Um, I, I feel like there's an. I don't think this case is necessarily isolated. Like I think there's another one that's cited that I can't remember the what and the when and the where. But oh yeah, I feel like there's several. UFO. I think there's one about a, a nuke actually being tested and it was like shut down mid flight. 
Yeah. By UFO. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of. I hear where, that. I hear that. That one. Like, that's where it gets more folkloric, I guess. Right. Uh, Ex-U.S. Air Force First Lieutenant Robert Jacobs alleged a craft resembling a flying saucer circled the dummy warhead during a test flight and right. disabled it. Right. Right. There you go. So yeah, that's the one that I also remember. And that one, that one was kind of trotted out during the the first round of this current iteration of uh, UFO popular culture back in, like, I think it was 2017 or 18 or whenever that article came out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah that, that kind of still fits um, the defense narrative, obviously. But th- this, oh, yeah. this um, uh, Mike Gallagher, who's a representative from Wisconsin's 8th Congressional District. Um, he also starts prodding at the funding for black projects and like private projects and stuff, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. And they basically, uh, you know, deny their own knowing of any of those projects, you know, because they say it doesn't right. concern the, the committee. But I, I don't know. He's like... If you watch it, if you could isolate that clip, it's probably on YouTube. Um, it's probably like the highlight of the whole thing, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so UA- UAP congressional hearings, love it or leave it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, don't love it. I don't love yeah. it. I don't <laughs> love it. I don't love it. I can't leave it because uh, I, I feel can't like, leave it. I feel like it's too important, but important in a way that it's not, you know, not the way that they're saying it's important, but right. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's another sort of a lily pad that the gargantuan frog God of the UFO phenomenon must hop onto to reach its strange destination. That's fat. Were you listening to outside the circles of time? Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that part was crazy. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a nice transition there. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh-huh. You've been taking um, what some uh, podcasting classes or something? That was fantastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to uh, Chapo Trap. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's me. Uh, that's me sh- yeah. disarming your transition right there. <laughs> I've still never, I've never listened to that show. Um, um, but yeah, but yeah. No, I, I was like so, just. Uh, shocked not shocked but i was hit with the wave of of dryness by this freaking side bomb of a of a what a committee or whatever the fuck um, yeah so you admit it's dry of course i do so so yeah <laughs> I, I had to pick up my old friend here outside the circles of time by kenneth grant and Very um good. i just put in a big order for grant books for the bookshop oh nice so, uh, nice plug so stop by. Yeah. But um somebody put um somebody put an audio yeah. reading of chapter eighteen on YouTube. Um you should check it out if yeah. you're interested in this stuff. We've talked about it a bunch. Wait, They're, chapter eighteen of Outside the Circles of Time, right? Outside the Circles yeah. of Time. And it was a great choice because chapter eighteen basically it summarizes um the abstract playbook of like episode eight of twin peaks i think it kind of like it's crazy yeah it, get, like, it breaks down all the symbols um and but, the, the sort of the image of the egg or whatever that the yeah the amelantra working conjured yeah. uh there's a there's a lot of great stuff in that chapter man and it talks about yeah. nema who we've talked about a bunch the aeon of mott um, do we know who she actually was i never looked into it yeah, no, there's like a good, a decent little biography of her. Um, she was yeah. from Cincinnati. Um, oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So someday I'll look into that because I always wondered, but never worked out the energy. She's um, a really interesting character. And I guess to to Kenneth Grant, she was somebody very important. Um, right. Like a, a prophet or something almost. Or what, like a the, the channel through which the, the Aeon of Mott was going to come. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I guess, are we in that now or what? I, he's dead. So there's probably been like three aeons he missed, you know? Yeah. The aeon of, I guess we're out of the aeon of Keck or whatever. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's the aeon of Keck. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, but now we're in the aeon of 
I don't know what. Senex, uh, mm. uh, the old man archetype. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, he he talks about the the alien race of like the devourers and their like minions, the old ones in a Lovecraftian sense. Yeah. Um, these like super intelligences that were kind of there for the development of um, intelligence on Earth, and then we somehow ushered them back to their plane. But once the Manhattan Project occurred, it created a, a window for them to to re-enter and um, make their way back to us. Yeah. Some fateful uh, descent, um, which is it's kind of strange given the the framing I talked about with Luis Elizondo. <laughs> For thing. sure, yeah. and yeah, Grant is such a good thing to be reading because yeah, he does that like thing where it's just like so packed with inf- it's like very. Like it feels like Finnegan's Wake or something. Uh, it's just like absolutely, yeah. yeah, just packed like with references. And what's the like the yeah right the the night side of the the dark side of the tree of life the Cleefos, the Cleefos, um, yeah, which is like the Setian, the Typhonian, right? It's yeah. it's a concept that's like kind of I like for some reason I knew it like really well like five years ago and I was like really interested in like this idea of like a alternate sort of negative tree of life the the sheddings of of the tree of life Mm -hmm. casting off of the shells but i kind of like memory hold that for some reason because i was like i got you know how like if you're reading this sort of thing it's so dense you get into it and it but it just it freaks you out and he's like i don't want to have known this and so like 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 something weird happens to you and then you're just like i think i might have like (laughs) tugged on that string a little too hard and i'm going to I feel like that's like a integral part of like my, if it's not a magical practice, it's like a magical study is like for knowing when to forget. No, it's true. I know what you mean. <laughs> I felt that way with, with Nima's stuff for yeah. a minute. I felt getting uh, pulled in a little too tight to the, the, the Typhonian current or whatever, and had to kind of step right. away. Not even, not that I was like, practicing any of that stuff but just the way of like thinking about the world and thinking about like things in a in a very like grand cosmic symbology that well, yeah, I mean it gets very dense yeah. that it like it adds it, it adds so many layers to everything you know to your whole life and the thing about like this kind of magic is that like you don't actually you don't really have to do anything like thinking about it can be mm-hmm. this is such a uh like obsessive compulsive thing to say but like the act of thinking about it can be like the act of magic itself which is kind of like this curse that like if you don't want to be practicing magic but you can't stop it's like this uh sort of obsessive loop it's yeah yeah no i have i have in front of me here starfire um the journal of the new aeon uh volume two number three there's a there's an essay here, the Ephotic um, Oracle, and it's about Kenneth Grant's uh, use of fiction as a tangible, magical tool. And um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, yeah, the way that we talk about the hyperstition or like the um, the adoption of the Lovecraftian thing where um, you, you basically right. speak about fiction as if it's real and you can that's important and then other it's people like, yeah. use that in in saying the real is fiction you know and both of them are very powerful tools yeah. of messaging it's like uh and you see that i mean it's not even limited to like this sort of niche realm we're in like uh this is maybe a, we're deep in the episode so i feel like we can reveal something but like we're doing an interview next week with uh someone who's looking at this uh the sort of the history of two very famous anonymous young adult books from the like seventies and eighties, which sort of both rode in on and exacerbated two different moral panics of like uh, suburban drug abuse and then uh, 
like messing with the occult and witchcraft. And so the creation of these fictions that mask as reality then create like a reality that itself is, uh, right. Right. Yeah. And moralism. It's it's all, yeah. It's like the hoaxer thing that we've sort of been looking at this whole time is, uh, you can really find it in any, any place that there's a culture of some sort or a mass, I don't know, a significantly mass. No, not significantly. A, what's the word I'm looking for? A sick, uh, whatever a culture big enough that it has enough like echo room for these sorts of things to grow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. But Cast shadows yeah. in other places. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, but now that we've mentioned it on an episode, maybe it won't happen, but not. <laughs> uh, that's again. Um, yeah. I mean, we always bring up that McLuhan quote, which I'm sure people are like, tired of hearing just because the way it's memed and stuff but yeah the medium is the message the way like conveying something is this uh diary journal style expose and like giving something the authority of like a backstory you know but that even though that backstory is nobody interrogates that nobody looks into it until until this guy writes this this uh i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that like these journals at least have like seeds of truth in them, which is so interesting in light of like, like I think that they're based on real people's experience. I mean, I guess we'll, we haven't read the book yet. It's not out. <laughs> but, it's not out yet. Yeah. yeah. It's not our fault. So it's that's what yet. we're going to ask this guy about it. Um, but yeah. so yeah, he's writing like an expose about, about the mysterious author behind these things. But it's like the sort of truism about psychological operations is that, you know, there is, there has to be at least a bit of, you know, if not, if not like truth and like something believable. So like it helps if there's some reality behind the particular bit of information you're trying to instill Mm -hmm. because people can smell like a total fabrication sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what like getting back to the UFO thing too. That's what like Richard Doty talks about who famously, Yeah, yeah. supplied the disinformation about the dulce base um he said that we would tell them stuff that was true yeah, yeah. and we would mix it in with stuff that was lies you know just to completely <laughs> muddle it and like drive you insane yeah if if you guys listening have not yet read the the book version of uh mirage man uh, and if you haven't seen mirage man you should, definitely should that's like the Really one of the best UFO documentaries, I think. But Yeah, we shouted it out in the last episode. I think it's good to right. shout it out again just because like we're we're in the we're in the landing strip of the UFO right now and, and that's like a touchstone uh, piece yeah. of information, I think, if you're gonna if you're gonna like even involve your own thinking about the UFOs and shit. I mean that's like a very crucial, right. crucial or you know, the documentary, the book, whatever. Um, uh, I don't, yeah. yeah, but I think maybe we'll, we'll, we'll switch over to Patreon here. I feel like we've gotten a good yeah. amount and, um, we're going to hop over to Patreon. We're going to talk about some JFK revisited stuff. Um, the new, oh, yeah. the new, new Oliver Stone. Stone documentary. I think we both got around to watching it at this point. I mean, I don't think we did. Yeah. Um, there's some really <laughs> interesting stuff in there. We're going to, we're going to chat about it and, and some, some of the classic conspiracy stuff with JFK. Uh, oh, and uh, I think I might talk a little bit about the mysterious Benjamin A. Franklin. There you go. Uh, so if you want to know what that is, it has to do with uh, angelic magic. So Yeah, that's wild. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, join us on Patreon. Join us on Patreon. It's only $5 a month. Um we do exclusive episodes, uh, written content, and we get into some cool conversations with our patrons over there. Um, so check that out, $5 a month, patreon.com slash consensusunreality. We're working on some new merch stuff that we hope to be finished up by the beginning of summer. Stay tuned for that. Um, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We got some great interviews coming up. And, you know, we're always switching gears. If you're bored of the UFO stuff, um, we're always switching back and forth between 
the occult, uh, magic and fairies and stuff like that and folklores and back right. to UFOs and how it's all kind of twisting around that some sort of tree of life or something. But yeah, <laughs> right. Ken, at least Kenneth Grant seems to think so. Anyway, right? Uh, yeah. See you over there. <laughs>